Years ago, I got a call late one night from a young mom who had literally just given birth to her second child only a couple of months before that was a part of the church that I was serving at the time to tell me that her husband was not going to be staying at their house that night because she discovered that he'd been talking to another woman. And about 11 o'clock at night, I called him up and said, hey, let's, we need to talk. Um, we met at the Waffle House and he told me a story that's a story that I've now heard a million times. Some jokes turned to flirting, turned to some text, turned to some DMs, turned to some calls, turned to dinner. And now he was going to be sleeping at his parents' house that night. How does that happen? We talked for over an hour, and I said this to him. I said, if you don't fix this, then another man is going to end up raising your children. And he didn't fix it. And I never hated being right more than that. She is now married to a wonderful man. She has two more children. And that man is helping raise her children from her previous marriage. And she now has a marriage protected by something that's very important. Protected by boundaries. By the end of our time today, I, wanna, I hope to show you why these are so important for a healthy marriage. That story was just one of many stories early in my ministry that gave me a heart to train and teach people about God's plan for marriage. I don't want to have another conversation on a late night at a Waffle House with someone about to throw away their integrity, their family, and their future. I don't want it to ever happen again. I don't want that for you. I don't want that to happen for anyone in our city. Part of our mission at Mountaintop is to equip people to follow Jesus, and we can't do that if we don't equip people to follow Jesus in their marriages and dating relationships. Simply, I want you to win at love because the stakes of losing they're just too high. Heartbreak, divorce every other weekend with the kids, dividing the cell of the house and picking up the pieces of your life and starting all over again. Unfortunately, the stats tell us that Christians get divorced at about the same rate as non-Christians, but I do not want that to be true of mountaintoppers. I want the people of mountaintop to win at marriage and dating. I want you to win at love. Uh, if you're single here today, and sometimes when we get ready for a marriage series, the single people are like, oh, I'm just going to grit my teeth for three weeks. I talk about marriage. I'm not married. This is for you single people, because here's why. I want you to win at love in dating so that you can win at love from the start in marriage. I promise you there are married people watching online or in this room that wish they had learned God's plan for marriage 10 or 20 years ago, that wish they didn't have to learn the painful lessons after they were married, that they had it right before they were married. So this is so important for you. This is an incredible season if you are single, you're a teenager, you're a college student, you're a single adult, for you to work on becoming the kind of person that the kind of person you want to marry wants to marry. Did you get that? That was a lot. 
to become the kind of person that the kind of person you want to marry wants to marry. To be the person that say, hey, I am going to win at love in God's way. And listen, if you are just like, I am single or single again, and Carter, I am done with marriage. Okay? There's nothing wrong with that. But here's what I know for you. You want your friends to win at love. You don't want to walk into another small group or into a circle of your serve team on Sunday morning or, or part of our church family and hear that one of your friends is getting divorced. And one of our values here at Mountaintop is that we are for each other. So if you're just like, I'm done with marriage, I'm done with that, that's not a part of my life, why is this relevant? This is relevant because we're part of a church family. And there's a lot of people in our church family that are married, and I know you want them to win at love. So we're going to start this series off with something pretty heavy, and almost the next two weeks are going to be very relatable to no matter what kind of relationship. They, they will be relevant to all kinds of relationships, even outside the bounds of of marriage and dating, but today is specifically about marriage to kick this thing off, all right? So here's what I want to tell you about winning at love. A surefire way to lose at love is to get sex wrong. Now it's a party. <laughs> right? One of my favorite uh, pastors when I was in college used to tell this story about a man who went to a village and he was walking around town, and he saw a, uh, a man right in the middle of town attacked by an alligator. And he screamed for help for the whole town to come, but somebody said, shh, shh, we don't talk about alligators in this town. The next day, he was walking around the city square again, and out of the little pond in the middle of the town, he saw another alligator come up and attack a woman, and he screamed for everybody to help, and somebody said, sir, it's taboo to talk about alligators in this town. Be quiet. Sooner or later, as he walked around town, he began to notice that almost everybody in town was maimed and carrying scars and permanent damage from alligators, but no one in that town dared ever talk about alligators because it was taboo to talk about alligators in their culture. And so it's been with sex and the church. People walk around our churches and in our world maimed and scarred and carrying permanent damage from sex and sexual sin. And yet, for years, it has been taboo to talk about sex in the church. Friends, we will not be that church. We want to bring what is in the dark into the light. First of all, sex isn't bad. It's not bad. It isn't a dirty thing that we shouldn't talk about, but if we leave it in the dark, sin festers best in the dark. That is why it is so important for the church to bring things into light. That's why I say a surefire way to lose at love is to get sex wrong. That's why at the very beginning, we want to bring what is in the dark in relationships, in marriage, in dating, and bring it right out to the front. A surefire way to lose is to color outside the lines of God's standards. There is a whole proverb about getting it wrong, a whole proverb about adultery. There are only 31 proverbs. An entire one of them is about adultery, Proverbs chapter 5. And this proverb carries an assumption of a marriage between a husband and wife. That's who the proverb says that sex is designed for. So that's the angle I'm going to teach from. So 
if you're dating or engaged, you're going to find out why the writer of Proverbs says that's for. Because I know the question uh, that you're asking is, well, why can't I have sex? Like, if it's good and it sounds fun, why can't I do it? And you're going to find out why it is meant within the bounds of, of marriage. So I want to kick it off with, uh, we're going to look at this whole passage, about 20 verses, but I want to kick this off by looking at a passage from the last verse that offers a surprising metaphor about sexuality and relationships and marriage. Listen to what it says. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Why, son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Love is intoxicating. And the writer of Proverbs says one of the most important things for a healthy marriage is to be punch drunk with your spouse. Now, here's what I know. We are so proud at Mountaintop. We have so many incredible followers of Jesus who have defeated addiction and won victory over alcoholism. We're so, <clears throat> that's not what this is talking about. But here's what I know. If, you have, if you've been in that world, you know that what we often search for in substances is a poor substitute for the kind of relationship we're supposed to have spiritually with God and the kind of relationship that we are designed to have with our spouse, that we are supposed to be intoxicated with love. This is a biblical concept. So I ask our band to just help hammer home this biblical concept about being drunk in love. Smooth Tennessee whiskey You didn't know that was a biblical song. It's based on Proverbs 5. Simply put, here's what the, here's what the author is saying. Sex makes you drunk. Sex makes you drunk. And you have probably made some bad decisions when you were drunk. All right, now it's not confession time because we're not that kind of church. But you have probably exercised some poor judgment and made some bad decisions when you were under the influence of alcohol. Few too many at a tailgate, few too many at a Christmas party. And what the writer is saying is that you and I are prone to also have poor judgment and make some bad decisions when we are under the influence of hormones. Come on. 
Like it, it, is, it is just like a substance that rewires our brain, and we are so easy. And if we, 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 that is why the Bible warns against staying away from intoxication when it comes to substances, and the writer of Proverbs 5 warns against the same thing, that we should steer clear of this kind of intoxication with hormones because just like you will lose control if a substance takes over your body, you will lose control if hormones all of a sudden start taking over your body. And man, you can wreck a marriage, you can wreck a relationship. Listen to what the writer says beginning in verse one. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. And it, this is says to son, but it could be to a daughter. It's to anyone, this is for all of us. Pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words and insight that you may maintain discretion. We're gonna come back to that in a minute that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. This is about wisdom and insight and knowledge. And there's a word in there that I mentioned, discretion. And that kind of sounds like a little bit of a prudy word, doesn't it? Right? We should use discretion. And that's oftentimes the problem when it comes to like the church and sex. And that's kind of all the way that we talk about it. It's just like, just don't do it. And okay, this is just going to be a bunch of goody two-shoes and Bible thumpers and right. But this word doesn't mean, it's not, it's not a prudy word. The word in Hebrew is uh, mezimah. And it means thought, intention, purpose. This has to do with thinking, it has to do with what the writer says is, I want you to listen to me. If you don't listen to me in this, your thinking will get messed up. You'll forget your intentions. You'll forget your purpose. No one goes into marriage with the intention of getting divorced. No one goes into the marriage and out the altar says, honey, what do you think? Plus or minus five years. They, they, they all make the same vow, to death do us part. And 50% of them don't end, don't end up there. And so often, this is the reason. Intentions get messed up. Thinking starts stinking. And discretion gets distorted. And here is how in this area, the writer says. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. And the point isn't here that this is a woman. This is written to a man, to a son. So it's about a woman. It could be written to a daughter about a man. The point is that this, this idea of adultery, of sexual sin, is personified. It, it, it seems, the point is that it will mess with your thinking. You're, you're going to start to get a little tipsy. It's smooth, it's, oh man, you think it's sweet, you think it's good, but it ain't what it seems. Listen to the next verse. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. 
her steps lead straight to the grave. It, 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 is, it is bitter, it, it is sharp, it, it brings death, it, it goes straight down to the gra grave. It's not what it seems. It is bad, bad news. You think it's sweet, but it's bitter. You think it's smooth, but it's sharp. You think it is life-giving, but it is death-bringing. It will take you to a place you do not want to go. Don't be fooled. Don't get under the influence of hormones. Don't do it. Beware. And some of you are dabbling in this right now. You got a DM that your spouse doesn't know about. You're dabbling in a relationship, some flirting, and it seems fun, and it seems sweet. Don't do this. It's death-bringing. And let me say a word here to the guys could be girls, but it's mostly guys. Some of you are dabbling in this through pornography. Uh, and it's so easy, sweet and smooth, just like it says, it will bring death. It is the first step to blurring a boundary, to dabbling. Don't do this. It will take you where you do not want to go. This is not God's best for you. And then the writer finishes this section. Listen to what he says. This is why it's, it's death bringing, not life giving. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. You lose discretion, purpose, intention, you had intention when you got married. You had discretion. You had a purpose and a plan for what you thought it would look like. You'd sit at ball games together and recitals together. And one day you'd sit at graduations together. And then you'd sit in a hospital waiting room waiting on grandchildren together. And then you'd retire together. And then you'd travel together. And then you'd die together. And one of you would hold the other's hands you had a plan, you had intention, but if you follow this way of life, it is aimless, it is wandering, it gives no thought to the way of life. This path leads to being married three or four times. This path leads to relationship after relationship. It has no intention, no direction, no plan. You have no idea where it's going to lead, but you're not going to like it. It's not going to lead where you planned. And God wants so much more for you than that. God has plans for you. And I know most of you are thinking, like, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to end up there. I don't want to end up in a situation like that. How do I, how do I avoid that? And the writer of Proverbs gives such sound advice for how to make sure that you don't get tricked by the sweetness, by the smoothness. Well, you don't get where I don't get tricked by the intoxication of hormones. So listen to what he says. Good advice. So you don't want to do that? I don't want you to do that. The writer says, listen, son. Now then, my sons, 
It's plural now. I think all the brothers have come in. They're like, what's dad talking about, right? My sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Here's what you need to do. Keep to a path. What does it say? Get as close as you can far from her. Keep far from this. Do not go near the door of her house. Keep far away. What's he talking about? What did we say at the beginning? He's talking about boundaries. He's talking about boundaries. Don't go near her. Don't put yourself in your situations. Understand your limitations. I always tell teenagers, if you're in the backseat of the Chevrolet, it's too late. Like, you're going to lose. You're already drunk on love. It takes diligence to stay faithful in marriage, and the most important piece of fidelity in marriage, of staying faithful, and the point of the proverb in today's message is this. Boundaries beyond your bedroom are meant to bless your bedroom. Boundaries beyond your bedroom. Okay, because here's what we think. We think that sex in marriage is all about what happens behind the closed doors of the bedroom. And I want to tell you, that there is so much more to it. There is so much more to faithfulness. There is so much more to fidelity. And it is really important, the writer of Proverbs says, to say boundaries beyond your bedroom are meant to bless your bedroom. Boundaries protect, boundaries bless. Um, ah, Ten plus years ago, when I was a young church planter, I had a Monday night football ministry. I would go to the sports grill and watch Monday Night Football to try to meet people in the community because, you know, when you start a church with zero people, you try to go find some people. And I was trying to find people in the community who weren't connected to a church and maybe invite them. And um, if you go to a sports grill on Monday Night Football, there's more people who don't go to church there than people that go to church. And I'd go, I got to become very good friends with the bartender. She'd slide a Coke Zero in front of me when I walked in. And I'd always, people always start talking to you. What do you do? I'm a pastor. I mean, that's a great conversation starter, I'm just telling you. <laughs> and I got to know the staff really well. And one Monday night I went, and as I got there, and I'm sipping on my Coke Zero, and one of the young waitresses comes behind me and rubs my shoulders for about, about three squeezes. One, two, three, and says, hey, Carter, how you doing tonight? She was probably 23, I was probably 30. And uh, well, I, didn't, I didn't know what to do. Because I mean, it felt good. So I told the bartender, Tina, who I'd become very good friends with, I said, Tina, I need your help. She said, yeah. I said, because I don't want to embarrass anybody. But when I leave tonight, can you tell her not to touch me? She said, I got you. Because here's what I knew. If I didn't put a stake in the ground right then and say this is a boundary and this is off limits, then you know what was going to happen the next Monday around lunchtime? My mind was going to start saying, I wonder if she'll rub my shoulders again tonight. Whew. 
And maybe she did. And then maybe I would start looking forward to every Monday morning that that was the night, that was the day that I got to go somewhere else and some other woman rubbed my shoulders. And I just had to say right then, I've got to put a stake in the ground to protect everything that's behind it. Because boundaries, because here's what I know, that I am capable of being under the influence of hormones. And if I don't put boundaries around my life outside the bedroom, that it will tarnish what happens in the bedroom. And every single one of us is like that. If we don't protect, if we don't stay diligent, intentional about it, to protect everything that is behind it, and the writer says there is so much behind that stake in the ground. Listen to what he says. If you don't do this, because remember he said don't go near her house, don't go near her door, don't, don't even, you, you know, don't be near her. Lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to the one who is cruel, lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. You will lose your honor. You will lose your dignity. Someone else will feast on your wealth. Someone else will raise your children. Another man will live in your house. Another woman will feed your kids breakfast every other Saturday morning. If you don't put a boundary. Some of you have lived that. And you have found love again. And here's what I know about you, because I have so many friends that have gone through this hurt and heartache, and they have found love again. Here's what I know about you. You want to get it right this time more than anybody else in this room. And you want everybody else in this room because you've lived it, you felt that pain, you dealt with the consequences of that, and you want to get it right this time. The writer says, if we won't put these boundaries up around our lives, as simple as this, we will wish we had. This is what you'll say. At the end of your life, at the end of your life, when it is all said and done, you will groan. When your flesh and body are spent, you will say, how I hated discipline, how I spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to my instructors, and I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. You will say, I wish I had done that. I'll never forget. I sat there at the Waffle House. I told that young man about someone else is going to raise his children, and I said, you need to go home tonight, and you need to erase her number from your phone. You need to unfriend her on every social media platform, and you don't need to answer a phone call or a text on your phone from a number that's not in it for the next six months. And he wouldn't do it. And now his children call another man daddy. You'll say, I wish I would have created some boundaries. I wish I would have some, I wish it. What seemed fun, what seemed drop, dripping with honey, will be bitter and lead to a kind of emotional and spiritual health if I had only put up boundaries. And then the last thing is I want to read the end of this passage because it's in the Bible, and you have probably never heard it read in church, okay? And if you have a problem with what's in the Bible, you don't need to send an email to our elders. You can just send that email straight to God, uh, because these are God's word words in his word, okay? Because there is some talk 
hear all about outside the bedroom, what happens outside the bedroom to protect what happens. And now the writer of Proverbs has said there's a part that happens in the bedroom too. And this is what he says. Drink water from your own cistern. Running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares... Let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. The word of God for the people of God. Whew. Come on, y'all, come on. Here's what he's talking about. Romance. Like there's a way to get this wrong outside the bedroom. And if you don't create boundaries at the workplace, at the gym, in your other relationships, online, you are dabbling in something that seems sweet that will end up bitter. But if you want to get this right too, then it takes some work inside the bedroom. It takes some it takes some effort. It takes some romance. And this is so personal that we don't want to talk about it, but we can't work at it if we won't talk about it. Here's what I think, and I'm not going to get too much into detail here, okay? But here's what I think it means. Guys, men, okay? Listen to me, men, because I'm one of you. I think what the writer is saying is like, do the dishes, compliment her, Invest in her emotionally. Invest in her relationally. Invest in her with your time. Buy some lingerie and light a candle, for goodness sakes. Romance. It takes some work. Ladies, and maybe some guys, rejoice in the husband of your youth. Is romance a chore? Or do you rejoice in it? This is something that takes work if we're going to win at love. And then there's the one last little verse that's a question. Why my son be intoxicated with another man's wife? After all that teaching, after all those instructions, he ends with a question. And singles, this is a question for you too. If you are crossing boundaries outside the covenant of marriage, why are you letting yourself get intoxicated with a physical relationship before you've made a spiritual commitment? And if you are dating someone who is pushing you in sexual boundaries, who is pushing you to cross sexual boundaries, why do you think that all of a sudden that they won't push sexual boundaries after you're married? Find you a man, ladies. Guys, find you a gal who wants to keep God's boundaries before marriage, and you'll be assured that they'll be the kind of spouse that will keep God's boundaries after marriage. Because whether you are single or whether you are married, here's what our boundaries are meant. Boundaries beyond your bedroom are meant to bless your bedroom. God wants to bless your bedroom. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. There are people watching online. There are people in this room. And you're thinking, Carter, I messed up. 
I've crossed some boundaries. What do I do? And here's what I want to tell you. Because you think you're all alone. And you think you're the only person in the room. Can I just tell you something? Every single person who is tuning in to watching this, every single person in this room has crossed boundaries sexually. There's not a single person in this room who has just been perfect their whole life in this area. I promise you. We've had thoughts we shouldn't have thought. We've done things we shouldn't have done, said things we shouldn't have said. And the good news is that God didn't give us boundaries and say, good luck, and if you can't keep them, stinks for you. The good news is that because we have all crossed the boundary of sin, God sent his son Jesus to cross the boundary from heaven to earth to live a perfect life, to show us the way, to die on the cross so that we could have forgiveness through his death and through his bodily resurrection. Because Jesus lives again, you can start over again. Everything that has crossed the boundary can die in that grave and you can raise up a new man, a new woman with a fresh start. God is not concerned, listen to this, in this area of your life, right now, this moment, listen to me, you're watching online, listen, God is not concerned about what you did. It's done and it's forgiven if you seek Jesus. He is most concerned with what you do right now. You can live in the security of his boundaries so that you can experience the blessing of his boundaries. If you will just trust, if you will just trust that his boundaries aren't meant to burden you, they're meant to bless you. That, that is how we win at love. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, thank you for your word for the boundaries that you created for, for us. Lord, we confess, I confess, that we've colored outside the lines. We've all done things we wish we hadn't have done. And Lord, I would just pray today that by the grace of Jesus Christ, as we confess those sins to you, that we find forgiveness and freedom and new life in you. Lord, help us to trust you from this point forward, from this point forward, for the blessing that you have planned for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen.